What's in store with Apple's new operating systems? Apple is making improvements to Siri, finally, and it's going to continue with its Siri grading program. Plus, your hot takes. That and more are all in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Hello. And Leif Johnson. Howdy. So some news this morning. Apple released a statement in regards to its Siri grading program. A little background. There was a report. I forget who came out with it. The Guardian. The Guardian. The Guardian Guardian came out with it a couple weeks ago about how Apple has this grading program where people actually listen to Siri recordings in order to improve uh, Siri's performance. And so it raised a lot of questions in regards to privacy and all these privacy issues and uh, kind of made Apple look a little bad because Apple's always touting how they're here for your privacy. And this seemed like a very not private thing to do. And the, you know, to top it off a little more detail, the people who were integrating programs were, they were contractors. They weren't necessarily permanent Apple employees. There were some issues in regards to how the recordings were identified, just things like that. And so it raised a whole bunch of, of red flags. And Apple reportedly halted the program. They said, we're going to halt it and do a thorough review. And uh, when they got busted, everybody else realized, I mean, everyone does this because you have to. You, your machine learning can't get better if you don't look at the results and go, oh, that was wrong, that was right. So, uh, yeah, Google and, and Microsoft, everybody had to sort of come out with some sort of change to their how they handle listening to your assistants and stuff. Apple halted this program for a while, and then they came out with a statement this morning saying that they're going to start the program back up, but with a bunch of changes that they're making to the program. One of the changes is that they won't retain audio recordings of Siri interactions. There will be the option for users to opt into the program. Does that assume that by default you are opt out? Yeah, if like reading the full statement, it, it really sounds that way. It says, um, it says you'll be able to opt out at any time. And then it says once when, they say when customers opt in and stuff. So it sounds like by default, you'll be out and you'll have to choose to be in. I'm guessing they're going to prompt people like on that first setup screen. Right. Because otherwise they're going to get so little data, it's going to be bad. Yeah. No one's going to be conscious and make an effort to exactly. look for that. Siri's just going to get yeah. worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a similar thing when you set up, uh, I think, Mac OS that asks you if you want to participate in, I forget what it is exactly. Crash reports and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a screen like that. I would expect yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't even remember what it is because I always bypass it and say no. <laughs> it's like a, it's one of those things where like you do it so many times you just don't, it's reflex. You don't even remember what it is anymore. Uh, so it'll probably be something like that. And then the third thing that they point out in terms of the changes that they're making is that uh, only Apple employees will be allowed to listen to the audio samples uh, and the team will work to delete any recordings, which is determined to be an inadvertent trigger of Siri. So some changes coming about. This is a program that Apple needs to do to make Siri better. So it just seems like 
when they executed this program, they kind of just didn't, I don't know if they were not necessarily lazy, but they overlooked some things that they <laughs> needed to do to ensure that user privacy was being maintained. And I, and I just want to say, you know, it, it's not just like getting the the voice commands right. It's also dealing with people like me who have an accent and stuff. And it's so, you know, they need to calibrate for that kind of thing because, it's, yeah, Siri is not going to get better just like with, you know, the standard English and stuff. Um, if there's anything that I want to Siri to get better for, it's understanding me. And so this is really important. Yeah, and all around the world, right? Mm-hmm, that's, exactly. that's true of, of every language. So and That's what I meant by the multiple accents and everything, yeah. In their release, Apple, they it seemed like they tried to make an effort to stress that we really are <laughs> sorry about this and we're really trying to maintain your privacy. Yeah, I mean, in typical corporate fashion, it um, it goes about 500 words describing how they all already do protect your privacy and how important this program is and all this other stuff before they finally get, you know, way down in the bottom to going like, we haven't lived up to our ideals and we apologize. It's like, well, that kind of should have been sentence number two. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they opened it up going, we believe privacy is a fundamental human right, not just a business ideal that it's it's a right of people like right and which is we've heard from the, we've heard from apple a lot um so they're they're coming out really strong on this this is with these changes it is a stronger protections and stuff than ever than google or amazon or microsoft do for how they grade their uh, assistance and everything so they're this would put them once again sort of like at the forefront of protecting your privacy and security so it's, they're doing the right thing here. I just, I'm just concerned that not enough people will opt in around the world to give them what they need. My sense is that you know a vast majority of people aren't even aware that this is going on, and then oh, no. when they don't, yeah, when they run into that screen, you know, they they like I said, I instinctively just turn it off, yeah, just because. Well, the yes button will be really big. And blue and highlighted and the like no button will be really small. <laughs> yeah. Um, they don't need a ton of data. They just need a small representative sample, but they need that from everywhere. They need that all around the world from all their users. So they have enough users that maybe they'll still get enough data. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how this how this goes. The, the halting of the grading program hasn't prevented Apple from trying to implement some changes into Siri, there was a Reddit thread that went around saying that Siri does seem to be showing some different uh, responses for when you ask it a question. So for instance, if you were to ask, uh, I think you had this in your example, Jason, how long does the flu last? In the past, you would get Siri responding with a bunch of web searches. Yeah, it would go, I found this on the web. And then like a box full of web searches. Now you seem to get an actual answer based upon those web. It seems to be able to kind of like figure out what the answer should be from those web searches and post a quote unquote web answer. I might actually start using it more because of that. If you're used to Google Assistant, they do this a lot. And it's unsurprising because Google's 
search is a huge web crawler and they have all these snippets. They do this on the web, right? They do this for, and it's the same thing. This is pretty critical for like HomePod where you don't have a screen. They can't go, I found this on the web and show you some links, <laughs> which was not a good experience anyways. But now when you have no screen, it just doesn't work at all. <laughs> so it's great to see them starting to do this, but it's only in the US so far and it's pretty limited. But it's, I mean, the technology's there. It's just now it's just a matter of building out data everywhere and just making sure that the data is good. So it's pretty exciting because this dramatically changes the usefulness of Siri. Yeah, it makes it Siri better, not just for like your iPhone and iPad, but, you know, it's, it's kind of an important part of the HomePod. So even though Apple's been downplaying it, I think it's no secret that HomePod sales haven't been what Apple would like it to be. And if they can improve Siri implementation, maybe that would help. And as they get, you know, as they do hands-free Siri on AirPods, Siri gets to be more and more on your watch, all these places where you're just not going to click on a list of web links, you know, at all. Uh, it, it really helps. It's really important for those sort of situations. I can't tell you, I, I think at least half the things I ask of my Google Assistant ends up being one of these web link things. Yeah. I'm usually yeah. asking it if my dog can eat this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but stuff like that, you know, just and, it, and for it to be able to pull an answer and just go like, according to this website, blah, 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 that's huge. There's a report by the information that says that Apple was working on a walkie-talkie project and now it's been put on hold. For those who might remember, there used to be a cell phone. I can't remember the cell phone. It was a Nextel thing. thing. It was Nextel, right. Nextel had this feature where it it can be basically a walkie-talkie with other Nextel phones. It sounds like Apple, in cooperation with Intel, was working on a similar feature for the iPhone, but this project has been shelved. It seems to me like it would be kind of a no-brainer to do because you can do walkie-talkie sort of with the Apple Watch. Yeah. So it seems like a natural progression to put it on the iPhone. The information wasn't really clear as to why the project was shelved. I thought I read somewhere that the person who was heading the project left, but maybe I'm getting my stories mixed up. It, yeah, and if they did, maybe it's they were left because their project was shelved. I don't know. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I, my guess is they looked at it on Apple Watch and said, oh, they looked at like the telematics on Apple Watch and said, oh, nobody uses this. Um, yeah. yeah. And and it's gone from phones. Like they didn't keep it around. The whole Sprint Nextel thing. You used to see it with contractors and construction people and stuff all right. the time. That's where it was and, and even then, it, it's just not, it's not even an offered extra feature or from any carrier or anything. I, yeah. I mean, I just guess people don't need it. And you, and, and if it was like the, the Apple Watch, you know, walkie-talkie, the thing is is that it is so situational. It relies on so many circumstances mm-hmm. that when you actually come up to a point where it's a good time to use it, you probably forget that it's an option because it's, it's not that intuitive. Yeah. And it's like you have to plan to use it for this, yeah. So what would be an advantage of a walkie-talkie on the iPhone that it would use Wi-Fi instead of your cell? 
and then maybe it's a more a more immediate response. I was reading some people say that rural people would benefit from it, but as a person who used to live in a highly rural area, the thing is my cell phone reception was often better than my Wi-Fi real internet. <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 a problem there. Yeah. Uh the the popularity of the the Sprint Nextel one was the immediacy that like if because you're on a construction site or something, you're not going to call someone, wait for them to pick up just to tell them something like go on your lunch break or something like that, or yeah. bring this down or right. whatever. You have a two second thing to say and they're just going to confirm it. So you would hear this little chirp. It had a really distinctive chirp sound. Right. And you would they would just hit the button and say something and, you know, and then they weren't carrying around a walkie talkie and a phone. They were just had the one thing. So I guess that would be the benefit of having it built into the iPhone. But I, I just think that on today's touchscreen devices without extra buttons and stuff like that, it's it might be just as easy to call someone. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and with Bluetooth and all that other stuff. I mean, people have a headset or something in their ear. Or, I don't know. Maybe texting made it. Maybe texting made it obsolete. Yeah. You can just send somebody a text saying, do this. And yeah. they can look at their leisure. Chances are Apple will be holding an event in September. The new hardware will probably get most of the attention, but Apple will also announce release dates for iOS 13, Mac OS 10.14 Catalina, Watch OS 6, and TV OS 13. And iPad OS 13. Just iPad <laughs> OS 13. <laughs> the list just keeps getting longer. We've been using betas of the upcoming software, and we'll talk about those thoughts in this section of the podcast in our feature discussion. I've been using Catalina. I haven't been using iOS betas as much. You guys have been using the iOS betas mm-hmm. a lot more. Do they feel like they're ready for prime time? Uh, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been, you know, last year I remember we were all talking about how they were, how smooth it was, and it, that hadn't been the case this year. There were some, you know, it wasn't so much the iOS itself. It was like there was a lot of stuff that wasn't supported. Instagram and people were griping about this on Twitter did not work for like, two months there and it seems to be finally back to normal but there were crashes there were but since the last couple of patches i i've you know i've I've kind of forget that i'm running a beta now so that's uh that's good that's That's a good good. sign yeah but it does feel like this version of ios has been a little more wonky than previous versions in the past few years yes i agree uh i would say it's it's as wonky as iOS like sort of 10 or 11 or any of those 12 was sort of exceptionally smooth 12 but mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's this we're not back to being exceptionally smooth but this is kind of the way it goes to me what's interesting I, I think they're going to be okay releasing what is the current beta like maybe there's one more release or something like that but I, I feel like that's not going to mess everybody up and there's going to be millions of people just like with bricked phones or critical feature right critical missing What's interesting to me is the stuff that's that got cut, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Apple released a developer beta of iOS 13.1 just the other day. Yeah. A couple weeks before iOS 13 comes out. They've never done this. Uh, and it brings back some of the features that have been cut from iOS 13 that they announced on stage at WWDC. Things like sharing your Maps ETA, that was gone. Now that's back in 13.1, but it's not in 13. The audio sharing with your AirPods stuff, 
that was in and it was really wonky and it didn't work right and you had to do something special and then it mm-hmm. was out and now it's kind of back in in 13.1 and it's we'll see if that works the automated shortcuts shortcuts like just doing something without you triggering them you know uh saying like run the shortcut when i get to this location or at this time that got cut that's back in 13.1 so that's these are things that won't be in the ios 13 release but it seems like they're fast tracking 13.1 and those things are coming back in but there's still stuff missing like completely missing remember the big sign in with apple thing mm-hmm. where's right. that yeah <laughs> that's gone i mean is, are, are they can they not start that until the final ios 13 release you'd think there'd be some beta testing somewhere right even on apple's sites just to do that whole like we make up a fake email address in mm-hmm. the background for you so like it doesn't seem to be being tested anywhere what i was wondering if they're having a hard time getting people to sign on board or they're like if you you know if you allow google and facebook you have to allow us to yep. and uh i have to wonder if they're running into opposition with that and that's making them back off but yeah, I, I wonder about that. Although it does seem, from the language of that, it seems like you can't just opt not to do it. If your app mm-hmm. your app would either have to get rid of its single sign-on for Facebook and Google mm-hmm. or also allow sign-in with, sign with Apple. So it's just weird to me that I haven't seen even people who run like test flight versions of apps and stuff. They're usually under some NDA or something, but you always see some leaks or people yeah. talk about it on Twitter or something, and there just isn't any of that. So I wonder if that's, is that even not going to be in 13.1? Is that going to be like 13.2? Um, iCloud folder sharing, that's a huge one. That's, where's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff where you, they talked about and showed a, an example of a guy on an exercise bike, like responding to Siri with his AirPods without, like hands-free, without saying anything. Like he just immediately responded to a message that, that hasn't been tested. That's gone. That's missing. So if, I feel like iOS 13 as released might be fairly stable, but it's still missing a lot of stuff that was promised, and we're not going to get it all till iOS 13.1, 13.2. We kind of saw that with iOS 12, right? We Last minute, they just kind of like cut some stuff, and we got it before the end of the year. We still got it within a couple months, but it took a couple months. Yeah, it feels like iOS 12 was sort of this new way of apple releasing features they i don't know if they realized but they decided that they didn't have to release everything at the same time at the big release that they could hold stuff back and release it as point releases yeah it just seems like now they've bought into that whole hog and everything (laughs) just like said yeah we're not not only holding back just one or two features we're holding back a bunch of features yeah just to make sure that they're working properly. it Which is fine if they made that a little more clear on stage. If they talked about how this isn't, these are, when we talk about iOS 13 features, we mean the iOS 13 release calendar or something like that, you know, so that it's, you just don't think that like, oh, this, on this day of getting all this stuff, it's going to be as we roll out iOS 13 and its point releases over months. So, mm. Yeah, I'm a little iffy on it. We're also, I think everybody should also expect the kind of problems that you don't see until there's the big release. Yeah. We had that, we we all talked about how solid iOS 12 was, but then there were things like 
an emoji bug that bricked phones and like uh, <laughs> things like, oh, in cold weather, my screen stops responding until I like lock the screen and unlock it. Like little weird stuff like that that just gets a not even a point release, but a minor little patch release really quickly we'll see some of that that always happens there's no yeah, way scandalized headlines to right. go with it yeah <laughs> yeah even though apple does have a uh, you know the public beta program that still doesn't you know there are billions of people using the devices and the operating system it you know that only gets like a fraction of people only gets a fraction of the situations that people are using the hardware and the software in. So once it's in wide release, then we're gonna find we're gonna find out how truly stable the, this release is. Yeah, I think TVOS is sort of the most solid in the terms of like giving them every giving everything they promised, mm-hmm. which is less, of course, it's TVOS, but it seems to kind of have everything, and it seems in the latest couple of releases, it seems to be working pretty well. I think there's a couple things that need app updates, like Hulu's always wonky with the way it handles commercials but but it seems it seems that seems good i haven't used uh catalina as much as you have roman maybe you could give us an idea of is everything that was promised kind of in there and is it working yeah you know at this point the internal changes to the os are i guess at this point manageable because the os is so mature it feel it feels like whenever they update the os now that they're adding apps and things like that you know, like the major difference is for most that most people will experience is the change in iTunes and that it's, yeah. it's separated in different apps. That's what most people are going to run into. And, you know, using that to me just makes a whole lot of difference. It, it's, it's a subtle difference, but it, it now feels like it doesn't feel like you're using this Kluge app anymore. <laughs> I, I always felt yeah. like when I, when I launched iTunes, I was like opening up my toy box when I was a kid. And it was just, you know. <laughs> It's just a mess of stuff in there. It worked, but but you just had to, you know, kind of shuffle things around to get what you wanted and, and it just didn't feel like it was efficient being the efficient use of that space. Yeah. No. And breaking the apps out now just makes a whole lot of difference in terms of just like my own organi- organizational head. And it's not really a big major thing, but it just feels a lot a lot different. Yeah. Do you think people have anything to worry about the transition to 64? Uh, that to me is going to be the big problem mm-hmm. is, is the 64 bit transition. I, I, I think we understand it, but I, you know, question whether like my in-laws would understand what that, what that is, you know, and there, there are a lot of people who use old apps and never upgrade their apps. And this is, yeah, I guess in theory, those people also aren't upgrading their OS all the time. <laughs> but there is going to be a point where they're going to run into that problem. You know, I'm I'm going to have that problem now because I use a very old version of Adobe Photoshop. Yeah. Not because you know, not because I like it. It's because it's not supported by our by our company, and I liked using Photoshop to do certain things. I know how to get around it instead of using a different app that could be just as good like Pixelmator or something like that. But I just don't want to invest the time in learning it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't want to, you can't upgrade your Photoshop without getting on the subscription bandwagon. Right? And, and that, you right. Do so that. then there's that and I don't want to do that <laughs> because it's not like I'm a Photoshop whiz. I just know how to use the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. 
And the version that I use is a 32-bit. I use CS5. Mm-hmm. It's a really old wow. version yeah, old. <laughs> that I have. It's really old, and it's 32-bit. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I might just have to find a different app to use to get on the 64-bit bandwagon. So that's going to be the major issue that people are going to run into. And yeah. there's some minor frustrations associated with like I didn't think that Steam was updating it because it wasn't updating through the App Store. That's what I downloaded it through. Turns out they do actually offer a 64-bit um, version on their own site. You had to download it dep- uh, separately because they haven't updated the App Store version yet. And so there's a little frustrations like that. So, But uh, otherwise, it's been pretty stable. Yeah. Oh, I will say that iPadOS, I've been using that the whole time. And I've I've seen other people on Twitter say that of the releases that has been the most stable. Like it doesn't feel like the I, I did say in Slack the other day I had a weird problem where the iPad Pro neither the front or the uh, rear camera would activate, and I have to wonder if that was you know like a system bug or it was related to the beta. But yeah, I had to restart the iPad, and then it still didn't start for like five seconds. But luckily it came on. But uh, so far that has been the only iPad o- um, OS 13 bug I've seen. It's I've seen a lot of people say it's been pretty stable since the beginning. Yeah. yeah, the the other issue, and I don't think most users will run into this, is that it seems like all the Catalyst stuff, all the stuff, you know, run your iPad apps on the Mac stuff for developers has been coming in hot. And it's really, it's not documented well. There's things they don't understand how they work, all that kind of stuff. And it's, so I, I think the flood of iOS apps on the Mac might be a little bit delayed right. compared to what we assumed at WWDC because it just doesn't seem as robust as it's going to be. It seems like it's it's a really rough release from a tool standpoint for developers. They're doing some cool stuff. I, if you look around at developers' Twitter accounts and stuff, you see some really neat ideas and some some exciting stuff going on, but... There also you see a lot of frustration where they it's just not documented well. There's not enough code examples, all that stuff that they want. So maybe all that that's going to come month in and not as soon right. as Catalyst is released. It's like <laughs> look at all the iOS apps on my Mac. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Have any of you guys been using the WatchOS beta? I have not. Uh, I have. There's I have not. yeah. They and don't do a that? public beta for the WatchOS. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Only Jason is there. well. You have for the Catalina, but yeah, I'm I'm not. I, I stick with the public betas. It's fine. <laughs> it seems, <laughs> it's been uh, it, it's got the features they talked about, and it's and last couple of releases, it's been pretty stable. You know, there's yeah. always some people running into some little weird little problems, but it's been as stable as these betas ever get. I don't, I wouldn't worry about the WatchOS release based on what I've seen. Of course, I also have a Series 4 Apple Watch. I don't know if somebody with like a Series 2 is running into more problems. Right. Um, but it seems like it's going to be okay. And WatchOS 6 is not running on the original Apple Watch. Is that correct? Correct. You yeah. have to have at least a if, Series. Is it Series 1? Is that correct? I think you have to have what they ended up calling a Series yeah, Series 1, or did they re-release See, it rem- as a Series right. 0? Either way, if you have that OG original Apple Watch, yeah. um, it's it not supported with by WatchOS 6. That was true of WatchOS 5, too, wasn't it? Wasn't that cut I off? I can't remember. I believe that was cut was off. Was it cut off? 6 is all the right. same, same ones. That's true. 
So if you do have an OG watch, <laughs> yeah, you, you probably should think about upgrading because it's, it's just a night and day difference between yeah. that and even the Series 3. We're sorry if you bought the $10,000 one. Yeah. <laughs> we warned you. We told you it would be obsolete soon. Uh, Apple has released a new Apple Watch or announced one every September uh, since the first one. So I would expect a Series 5 this year, even if it's not exciting. Yeah, it's I don't think it's come, But that might mean a Series 4 gets 100 bucks cheaper or something. You know, we'll see. Might be. Don't buy. Don't. We're just saying don't. If you have an OG Apple Watch, don't. Now's the worst time to buy an Apple. Yeah, yes. wait until the fall. Wait, wait a couple weeks and yeah. see what they release. Yeah, I, I don't think there'll be like major hardware changes to an Apple Watch, new Apple Watch. There's rumors of a what ceramic and I was going to say that's what they're going to do. They're going to make it ceramic and titanium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's been the rumored changes, but not, other than that, there hasn't been like new implementation. Yeah. Of, Probably a new processor, but they just the Series Four was the first time they really overhauled sort of the case, the accelerometer, some of these core features. We're probably going to be stuck with that for a few years, and it's going to be Series Six or Seven or something until we get like a crazy new kind of display or something like that. You know, the main thing I would like to see is for it to get thinner. And uh, yeah, if I wanted something from my Apple Watch, that would be is to get a little thinner. I know that's getting pretty crazy. But, uh. <laughs> thinner would be nice. Uh, my top priority would be battery life, though. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, I know. have no problem going all day, but there are smartwatches out there that go all week. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I would just love a, at least two or three days, just something where I don't have to worry about didn't put it on the charger when I went to bed or something like. Yeah, the bar has been raised on the battery life for wearables. Apple needs to rise up to the bar a little better on that. Yeah. So we have links to uh, different articles about the upcoming OS releases. We have articles, we have FAQs basically on iOS 13 and iPad OS 13, Mac OS Catalina, Watch OS 6, and TV OS 13. Go to our website. If you want more information, check the show notes for links to those articles. Now it's time for the two-minute tip where a Macworld staffer will present a quick tip for your Apple device. This week, Life has a tip for iMessages in iOS 13. What you got for us, Life? Uh, yeah, with iOS 13, you can set your name and, you know, a photo or an emoji or an emoji if you want, uh, in your iMessage profile. So when you, you know, send somebody a message, it can automatically beam that information to them. So, like, if you add someone new and they're on the iOS system, you know, they'll automatically get that. So you don't ha- they don't have to enter it into their profile. And it's really convenient. And I'm a person that likes to have everybody's photos, you know, in the Messages app. It's a little bit more colorful and, you know, helps you remind people are so, uh, but yeah, that, that's what it is. Your name and your photo will automatically go to it. They have an option of whether or not they want to accept it or not. And you have the option of whether or not to send that information to people. You'll see a little prompt. But here's how to set it up. You can set it up right inside the, mes- um, the Messages app. So you open up the Messages app. You'll press those three dots in the upper right-hand corner. And there will be a little menu that pops up at the bottom. So you're going to press Edit, Name, and Photo. I should say that I'm doing the first-time setup right now at 
changes a little bit when you do it uh, after you've already said it once. Uh, you'll get another one. It says share your name and photo, and you'll change choose your name and photo again. And in the next one, then you can finally choose your name and photo. You can so I'd go ahead and set out your name. Um, to keep it simple here, I'll say you have the option to put an emoji, a photo. It'll also just do your initials. Um, you know, if you go to the end, you'll see more options and view more is that's what it actually says. And that way you can add like an an emoji and stuff. But if you've already set up an emoji or you've already used a photo before, you'll see that right there. You select one of those and it'll ask you, use this photo everywhere and it'll be your Apple card and my card and contacts will be updated with this info. So you press use that and then you'll have that option. It'll say choose where to choose, uh, choose who you share your name and photo with. So um, you can press contacts only if you want that to only go automatically to the people your contacts with. And you can say all Always ask with if you want that to go to, you know, give approval every time that you do that. And you'll see. So at the top of the, the message chat, you'll always see something that says share your name and photo. And you just put uh, share and it'll automatically go to them. And the thing is, you got to do this every single time you change it. And uh, but you make your selection, you press done. And that's all. Um, to, once you want to do it and go back again, you open messages, do the same thing, press the three dots in the upper right, edit name and photo, and you'll see all the options in one big splash page. And same thing, you know, use this photo everywhere. You go through that step and you're done. Um, sounds a lot more complicated when I explain it, but when you, uh, when you actually do it, it it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just, you know, they do give you a lot of options and I think that's cool and that's it. Yeah, Life has all the details in an article. You can get the link to that on our website. He has a bunch of other things that you can do with messages in iOS 13. That's getting a big, in iOS 13, that's messages getting a lot, a lot of stuff implemented. So uh, be sure to bookmark Life's article and get those changes going when, when iOS 13 is released. It's another reason to be proud of those blue bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for your hot takes. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you're thinking via email at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld. Or on Facebook on the Macworld Facebook page. Here's one comment that caught our eye this week. This is in response to an article that columnist Dan Morin wrote for his Stay Foolish column. Uh, he wrote about three camera features that the iPhone should add with the upcoming pending iPhone release. This comment comes from Keith Stanley via Facebook. He wrote, I definitely want better low light and long exposure performance. I'm in a smartphone astrophotography Facebook group and the Android phones consistently embarrass us iPhone users with their night sky shots. Oh, no doubt, dude. Oh, yeah. I, I totally feel that with that. Yeah, I think like the low light, dark, photography is like one serious sticking point that Apple really needs to address this fall. And if they don't, it's going to be a huge, huge problem. Yeah, yeah, this night mode and whatever Huawei calls theirs and stuff like that. You know, at some point in the last, it was about a year ago, really, when when uh, Google introduced the last Pixel. But over the course of the last year, all these Android phones have done this thing where it's like, yeah, we have a mode where we hold the shutter open for about two seconds. We process the photo for another couple of seconds when you're done, but then we give you something really beautiful. And Apple seems convinced that it will never keep the shutter open for more than about one fifteenth of a second or so. Like yeah. that seems to be the longest exposure they'll do. 
and all processing has to be like instant. You have to be able to tap that preview and just see your image right away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're going to have cameras and a processor and stuff that can do all this <laughs> within those constraints, or they're going to kind of loosen those constraints for some re- for really really dark environments. But they need to get on on board here and have a solution yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. because yeah, they're starting to it's starting to be embarrassing. You can't, yeah. and it's going to be a whole other year. They don't. It's not like they roll out stuff throughout the year. If it's not here, it's going to be late twenty twenty before they have a shot at doing this again. So, and one another thing, Dan said, and this is what I want. You know, is is the wide angle lenses because I take a lot of landscape photography, and uh, yeah, and especially around here in the Bay Area, you know, there, there's some shots that I know would just look gorgeous if I had a wider shot. And uh, so that, you know, the pixel has that and I've seen the results and they're gorgeous and I would love to have that on the iPhone. So I'm really hoping that they wow us with some camera features this uh, next couple of weeks, honestly. Yeah. Dan Dan also said that he would like to see wide angle on the front camera as well. Yeah, for selfies. Yeah, for selfies. That's been on uh, Android cameras for a while now too. And I think people, most people would appreciate that more. But yeah, I, I want to see it on the. Yeah, both I, would be nice. I appreciate it more just because you, you get that big stretched out arm trying to get two people in the shot selfie thing. Uh, yeah, that yeah. for me, that'd be more useful if I'm ever taking like a big landscape shot. I do a lot of panoramas because usually nothing's moving. Uh-huh. Maybe right. that would change. Maybe if I had a wide angle lens, I would take uh-huh. more wide shots where I'm not concerned about. Oh, there's movement, and it's going to mess up my panorama shot. And distortion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to take a lot of panorama shots, too. And it's always funny when there's people involved, and you take the panorama <laughs> shot, and you say, oh, that's yeah. a weird distortion. People have started to exploit there. that. You know, they've done that thing where it's like yeah. they appear in the start of your panorama, and as soon as you move past it, they run around behind you and get like get back yeah. in frame where you, before you get there. So that they can appear multiple times in a frame, and it, you can do some really cool creative stuff yeah. with it. But that's not the same thing. It's just, oh, let me take a wide angle shot. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, going back to the to the dark photography, it feels like Apple, and I don't know this. I'm totally speculating. The reason why Apple hasn't come out with a fix for this is that maybe Apple's trying to work around the whole holding the shutter open thing. And trying to do something within software, and that's trying to figure that out. It's very labor intensive. It's going to take a while, and that's why they haven't done it. I'm, that's the only reason why I'm guessing why it hasn't happened yet. They're trying to figure out a way to not have the shutter stay open because it's not really a user intuitive thing for the general public right. to do to yeah. hold a camera steady because of the shutter being open. So, yep. like I said, we know how to do that. But a lot of people may not know to do that. So it feels like a very Apple thing to do. Yeah. To figure that out. I, I'm totally speculating. I don't know if that's the reason why. Yeah, I, I think it's it. I think it's both that and it's that um it's that thing where uh you know, the other phones are doing that and they're taking time to process the photo. Yeah. Which is another thing that Apple just never I feel like they they think that the customer expectation is that when I take a shot, I can just immediately see it. You know, mm-hmm. I, right. I don't have to right. wait two or th- even just two or three seconds for a little wheel to spin while I while it does all this computational photography like that should happen within a fraction of a second. I it seems to be like Apple's M.O. And 
and uh, maybe so, they're just trying to work within all those boundaries on their night mode or whatever. Right. And wouldn't Phil Schiller love to be on stage and say, <laughs> look, it happens instantaneously where compared to this pixel camera, yeah. you have to wait, you know, that's, it's a marketing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very important marketing thing as well as a usability thing, yeah. but you or they'll see, show motion like, the, the right. night modes are, are on these other cameras are great, but when something's mo- in the frame is moving, like even if you hold the, your phone steady, you can get blur by something in the frame moving. Yeah. And they, they do all this stuff to try and counteract that, but it, it can only go so far. And, you know, they could easily make an embarrassing comparison picture. Right. <laughs> you know, right. with ours and theirs and show, show how theirs got all messed up by this, the wind blowing this tree or something, you know. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 665. I'd like to thank Jason Cross. Thank you. And thanks to Life Johnson. Thank you. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. If you don't subscribe to the Macworld Podcast, you can do so via iTunes, through SoundCloud, or on Spotify. Have comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you all next week. I have to admit, I, I wanted to make this podcast a little shorter because I have the fantasy football draft in 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> so. Bless you.